Welcome to episode six of the Aluminium Podcast, Apple News with a British accent. Every week I'll be joined by a different guest from the world of tech and beyond, bringing you the latest Apple and wider technology news, as well as insight into our guests and their stories in technology. And for our sixth episode, I'm delighted to welcome Jacqueline Dallas from Nothing But Tech. Thanks so much for having me. Also love that like tagline for a podcast, clutch. Yeah, I had to I had to play around with the fact that I'm British and um, sound wrong to everyone outside of the UK. No, I feel like the British accent is like the best accent. Mine's, like a media selling point. Mine's so weird though, because it's kind of, it's British, but it's not from anywhere in Britain. Like, whereas oh, America, like we see it as a generic accent. I don't know, there's like Southern accents and there's there's different bits from different coasts, but we kind of see it from the outside as being very kind of homogenous. Even Canadian sounds very similar in a lot okay. of ways. However, in the UK, there's... Uh, you know cockney and there's like manchester there's scottish and welsh and it's all in britain and it's okay. all so different uh, you know we can all pretend to do different accents for for bits when we do a joke but um yeah which mine's... one is your primary accent then or are you not associated with any of the areas well that's it i've traveled around so much like i grew up in the southeast like just by the seaside, by the, by the coast near, just just outside of London. Uh, but my parents were from Nottinghamshire, like Robin Hood country. Um, and, and you know, I've, I've traveled around a lot. So I've got more of a kind of almost BBC kind of voice where you don't yeah. have a, a regional accent. But um, yeah, it's lovely to have you. Sorry, we just started talking about my accent as opposed to anything <laughs> I need to know. vaguely related to technology. So um, yes, welcome. Um, for anyone that doesn't know you, one of the things that I always do at the beginning of these podcasts is like a getting to know you. So these are this or that questions, but feel free to Ooh. go in a third direction if you prefer. So there's not a okay. huge amount of them, but it, it's quite, uh, it's quite fun. Um, so we start off with Xbox or PlayStation. Ooh, I would say Xbox. Yeah. Do you actually get time to game or are you very... I'm the world's worst, to be honest, <laughs> but I grew up with a lot of friends that had Xbox, so I would be more than that. Although I will say I tried out the PS4 and it was really good. So either one, but I'm more familiar with the Xbox. Okay. So I, I was uh, like, I grew up on Master System from Sega, like that, that far back. Oh, okay. And like the Mega Drive, which we have over here, which I think you guys called the Genesis came after that. So yeah, like I was always that. And then we had PlayStation when I was a kid and then I had Xbox as a grown up and now I don't have time for any of it. Yeah, uh, now it's <laughs> over. <laughs> um, and then Windows or Mac? Mac. Okay. Um, by far, but I started out on Windows. So like my first ever computer and like for probably four or five years was Windows, but now I use Final Cut, so only Mac. Final Cut's just the one, right? It, like I, th I think Adobe's great, but the fact they charge you every month for everything and it, it can get real expensive, right? Um, I actually pay for both, which is tragic. So <laughs> I'm not helping myself at all. That That is um, upsetting. <laughs> but now with M3, like Final Cut is so efficient. Um, and also I think it's just like the ecosystem of like file transfer, especially for video. If I record something quickly on like an iPhone, then I can easily add it to the timeline on windows. Yeah. That would be a little bit less intuitive. Yeah. I do the same. If I'm doing any sort of B roll, I tend to just grab my phone and do it. Um, but for my a roll, I don't even have to airdrop it because I record everything in co uh, continuity camera, which oh. is what we're using right now. Whoa. So with this is wireless really as well. <laughs> That's crazy actually. Cause it's so high quality. That, I think, is one of the it's, best features that they've added. It's super crispy. And I think 
uh, they've, they've got to have a plan for it to go into the vision as well, because obviously they've used yeah. sidecar with that a lot where you're moving between like the Mac apps and then using the keyboard and mouse to move over to other apps as well. So I have, I feel like there's going to be something with continuity camera moving into that as well. Um, okay. The next one up is Android or iOS. What's your daily driver? I use both, so I have two phone numbers. Um, so on the iPhone side, it would be the iPhone 15 Pro, and then on the Android side, it will be either like the S24 Ultra or the Pixel 8 Pro at the moment. Although I'm reviewing the OnePlus uh, 12 right now, so that is the daily. But when okay. I'm not reviewing a phone, it's either S24 Ultra or Pixel. Gotcha. And if you could only have one, Ooh, which dude, I you cannot answer it's that. It's so no. hard, isn't it? <laughs> I love them both. I feel like that's like the most common question. Like when I tell someone that I'm a tech YouTuber and they're not in our space, the number one question is like iOS or Android. In the US, um, I feel like probably people outside of the US will not relate, but iMessage is such a like dominant feature that especially with Gen Z, if like you don't have iMessage, you're kind of isolated out of group chats a lot. So for mm -hmm. that reason, I think like iMessage is great and so the iPhone, but then Android is so much to offer. And like on the customization front, the camera quality, I honestly couldn't pick. I love them both a lot. Um, yeah. So I'm paying for two phone numbers every month. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I might do a series on customizing for iPhone because I think that might be quite interesting. Ooh, that is um, interesting. And, and fun to like break up into shorts and stuff as well, which might work well on the other platforms. But uh, I agree. Yeah. Now I see you're sipping. Are you a tea person or a coffee person? Dude, cold brew 100% mm -hmm. of the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you a tea because England oh, God, or? No. no. Oh. Whoa, no, I'm, okay. I'm very coffee. Like I, I spent a year living in Dubai, and um, wow. when I was opening hotels on the farm over there, and we got like the best coffee training in the world for like making really good espresso from scratch. And okay. since then, I've been a black coffee, no sugar, no sweetener, that kind. Wait, of what's person. your number one tip? Like, what do they teach you? It's all about the grind. Like making sure that the grind is right first, and basically, as long as your espresso is good in any coffee, you're gonna have a really good experience. Um, wow. But you can't you can't hide bad coffee with the rest of the drink, basically. I agree with that. Yeah, like um, I love cold brew the most, but I think it's like the hardest one to get right because it mm -hmm. takes like it's like a ten hour brewing. So if I'm out and about, I'll often get a latte because I feel like that's harder to mess up. Yeah. Although if the espresso is bad, then it's over. So either we've, one, kind of. Needs we, one. We've got some really good um, roasteries over here that do nitro cold brew. So it's like, basically, it pours like a Guinness. But yeah. It's, it's so good. I don't know if you guys have that over there yet. I'm, I'm we guessing do. you do. <laughs> we do. I am not a fan of beer. So nitro is like mm. my worst nightmare because I feel like it's similar to that. But everyone else that I know loves it. It's like creamy but black coffee. It's, it's super yeah. cool. Uh, and then the last one, and this might be a tricky one for you because I think you do both of these quite prolifically, YouTube or podcast, if only one could exist, oh, which way YouTube. would you go? Yeah, YouTube. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, YouTube's <laughs> like had my heart since I was like nine years old. But um, podcasting is cool too because I think with a podcast, what's really exciting is that if you like post like once a week and it's like an hour long, you could be one of the people that actually like talks to the audience the most. Mm -hmm. which I think is like such a privilege because we don't really talk to that many people for like an hour period, like in that depth. And so I think podcasting builds like a lot of like emotional closeness with an audience, but YouTube is like the best platform for discovery in my opinion. And also I think having the visual element, especially for tech is so exciting because mm. you'd be like, Hey, like, look at this, like, this is the new thing. Whereas with podcasting, it's all description. 
Yeah, and it, uh, to be fair, this is this is still a very new podcast. This is episode six, so we've we've not been going for too long. But I think six is the average number of episodes that a podcast Dude, gets yeah. to, and then everyone dies. So you're um, now above average. I yeah. think you're actually probably top one percent when you get to eight. Or We're something. doing pretty well, so that's yeah. cool. We've we've already <laughs> got the it. next one as well. Uh, is is all booked in, so we're good. We should at least do seven. Um, yeah. But yeah, the YouTube channel for me has been going since like 2020. But how long have you guys been going over there? Like you. Ooh been make, making stuff for a while yeah so i started when i was 13 um so it's been eight and a half years nine years now mm. um i'm 22 so it's been a minute um but honestly even before that channel i was always like obsessed with youtube and it was not my first other ones have since been privated and they were not about tech i had like a oh. singing channel for a while um you have to bring this stuff back soon like for an <laughs> I know, anniversary it's gotta like come out of the archives like a, re um, a reaction video of you reacting to your own videos from when you were younger that would be I amazing think i would die of cringe no um <laughs> the the first ever video was like a microphone unboxing of a rode microphone um and i like recorded the whole thing actually my mom helped me record it and then i decided in post to voice over it nice. which didn't make any sense because my like hand gestures were sync to what i was actually saying in the moment and then i tried to voice over the voiceover to the hand gestures it was a nightmare like this video is like <laughs> the worst video on the internet um but yeah i've been doing it a very long time and i think it's so cool that um even like 2020 was pretty early like every year i feel like it mm. just evolves more and more and more and gets more and more mature which is exciting and uh, you guys have blown up just recently. I keep saying you guys, it's, it's basically you, right? You, I, you. I know um, you've got someone else helping film and stuff, but you. Yeah. it seems like you do almost all of the editing and scripting recently, and all that stuff. I actually just hired an incredible editor. Um, Amazing. So exciting. Love him. He's genuinely one of the most talented people I know. Um, and so, yeah, now it's definitely expanding, which is exciting. Um, because up until, I think I edited 396 videos, mm -hmm. and which was basically like the first eight years of videos um and i still honestly like love editing but i think when we look at like broader like what we want to grow this into spending like 20 hours a week editing was not conducive to growing it and i was pulling like an all-nighter every week which honestly i'm happy to do like i will do that for growing the channel but i think i should like devote that time to other things that grow it um and he's awesome like scott is the best so it's been um so much fun and i also think it's so like when you work with other people it's really collaborative too so now the team is like no one is full-time yet but hopefully this year but right now it's probably like three or four people that are very actively involved in the creative and then people also on the business side that are excellent awesome and in terms of like the current setup i know you mentioned your macbook pro you got with the black one so it's obviously it's either a pro or a max yep Which one it's did you m3 go for? max mm -hmm. i just got it last week Loving did you it. go 14 or 16 inch 16 that was tough though i always just the like top. the most power yeah but 14 is so much more portable so it's like pros and cons i have a macbook air that i did a video on recently so i feel like that's like the one that if i need like slimness and um like lightweight but then when i'm actually editing or working on stuff mm. then the 16 is so nice and it's still so portable i mean i i still work off the m2 macbook air that's my main machine right now okay. um and then i've got uh project 91 over here which is my classic macintosh that's got uh, an m1 mac mini inside and a retina display um so okay. it's, it's really fun that's what runs my desktop most of the time but yeah m2 macbook air is just fully capable of everything i need i'm like running a 4k display off of it and that's yeah it's it's just what were great. you using before uh so prior to apple silicon coming out at all uh, i have a 27 inch imac from 2013 which is okay. sitting up here. I was still using that up until 2020. 
So, yeah. Nice. So yeah, it's, that it's is one of the cool things well. is like how long they last, right? Like the phone, I feel like you upgrade, or at least I upgrade like every year. I think most mm -hmm. people upgrade like two to four years, but the computers really last a long time, which makes sense because they're incredibly expensive. I think this, I just got this computer last week. I think like all spec data was like maybe five thousand dollars. Yeah, they're definitely quite expensive, but they do have a lot of like longevity, and they enable all the work. Yeah, and to be fair, that that iMac it was just before they went to the five Ks. Um, okay. so it's the like a two and a half K, I guess. It's like twenty four sixty by fourteen forty. That thing cost me just under two grand, and it lasted me like seven eight years nearly whoa okay that's, yeah that's, that's not really... bad going it, it got uh it got some more ram thrown in the back of it because you could do that back in the day and um i ended up running the operating system off of a, an ssd hanging out the back like it wasn't whoa. even an internal ssd that's when I what... wait, it. okay wait question mm -hmm. if you had to pick would you rather um the ability to add ram back like that feature or the removable battery feature in phones Ooh. Uh, so, so adding RAM to laptops or removable batteries and phones, is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. Okay. Because it used so, to be like you could just add RAM like to the iMac, and then it yeah. also used to be that you could pop out the battery of a phone, like the LG G5. I, I would say if if you were to be able to switch the batteries in phones, you're going to lose waterproofing. And I think that's more important. Uh, mm, like I'm, like I'm happier to go and do like a battery service, but the fact that you can't upgrade RAM at all in a laptop or a Mac of any sort, really, at this point, I think is uh, more of a, uh, a dis more of a problem. Um, however, I also think eight gigs in a MacBook Air, which is what I'm using, is absolutely enough for almost everyone. Like I know mm, the yeah. content creators and, and the people that talk about it on YouTube need more probably, but probably don't because I don't. Um, <laughs> But there, for for everyone else, all of the normal people in the world, you don't need yeah. more than that in Apple Silicon. It it handles it so well. Um, so I, I'm surprised that there's as much controversy around the eight gig thing, even though yeah. like, a lot of phones are on twelve now. <laughs> I know it is crazy that like some of like the Android phones will have like twelve, sixteen gigabytes, and then um, the MacBooks don't. But yeah, it also goes to show, like, it's only part of the story. It's like when a camera is, like, 200 megapixels, but then it shoots a significantly worse shot than, like, a 12 megapixel sensor. Yeah. And, and like, I, I literally went, and I, I say this on almost every podcast at the minute, I think, I went from using a Lumix G7 camera to using mm -hmm. iPhones to shoot because the image was wow. better on the iPhone. Uh, the autofocus is the biggest thing for me. Like, the fact that it uses LiDAR to focus is so much better than the hunt and peck that I used to find with... Um, uh, you know, with the with the Lumix camera, like if I put my hand here and then come back out, it's straight it back into gets focus. You. Yeah, it, <laughs> there's no there's no looking. I think that's one of the things with the Quest Three. I just did a video yesterday that was like a Quest Three versus Vision Pro comparison, and I think one of the biggest downfalls of the Quest Three with the Vision Pro is the um, pass through is not nearly as good, and mm. there's like a lot of like parallaxing and distortion. Um, and I think one of the reasons why Apple was able to do it so much better is because they've learned so much about photo and video processing through the phone that just like translating that tech over um, is infinitely better than Meta who has like not nearly as much experience. Yeah, absolutely. Meta's always been a software company. You know, they've always yeah. been about the the platforms. But um, yeah, I was watching your video actually and it was the oh, way thanks. that you, you picked your phone up and like the world around it kept distorting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's everything's like, what moving is going around. on? Like, and you're kind wearing of it. Yeah. So it feels like now your world is distorted because that's like mm -hmm. your only actual, it would be like right now if like all of a sudden like this picture like came flying at me, like it's 
not a good experience. Also, I was sick the last two weeks, like, and I was like, I've seen, stomach yeah. virus, etc. And so, like, motion sickness mm. added another level to it. And this, of course, is like the week that all of the like VR stuff was coming out. So I was going through it. Um, but yeah, the quest definitely made it. I, the quest is amazing for five hundred dollars. Um, yeah. But it definitely made it a little bit worse. And I think that that is like one of the reasons why Division Pro, like, I, in my opinion, shocks and excited so many people is because when you put it on. It kind of just worked the way you would expect it to work. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the quest in comparison, I feel like worked the way tech works right now. Like yeah. there was the parallaxing. Like I knew I was wearing a headset. It's much easier to forget with the Vision Pro. Yeah. No, I I think what you've just said there, like, basically illustrates the difference between Apple and everyone else in like yeah. the world. When I first got my uh, my first iPhone was the iPhone four. Um, and I got that in like 2010 and before that I'd had Windows phones. I had like the XDA Orbit, which had got like SatNav built in. And I was like, yeah, this is amazing in 2009. Yeah. And, and I was like, why do I need an iPhone? Like it does all the things. It's got music. I can browse the internet. I can do email. And then I got an iPhone and I was like, oh, <laughs> it's such, <laughs> yeah. oh, I see. I see now why everyone was raving. Like in terms yeah. of VR stuff, like. I obviously we don't have uh, Vision Pro yet in the UK. I've got one friend who's brought one over, so fingers crossed it won't be too long. Um, yeah, I want to see. The only what one you think. that, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. The only one that I've used is actually this, which I don't think you guys get in the states, which is the Pico. What is that? It's oh, the Pico Four. So this is from ByteDance. This is like a TikTok headset and it's um, oh it, is it good it's okay it's not bad uh so it's got the pancake right. lenses so you haven't got the fresnel so you haven't got like the the ridging um, okay. so it's quite it's quite smooth um and it does 90 hertz and stuff like that it is with handsets and the only downside to it that i can find is really that the software catalog is quite limited because everyone went to quest and not to this app store so there's stuff like the walk around golf which is great it's so much fun okay um uh, and and a whole bunch of other games that are really good, but not the games that you see everywhere else. Like there's a really good version of Fruit Ninja. There's mm. but there's no Beat Saber. And Does there's a no, version none of mean that. like is it Fruit Ninja or is it like a? Company it is actually that Fruit Ninja. Oh okay. Yeah yeah. Interesting. Yeah, um, yeah I think also the difference that I think even comes out between like Quest and Vision Pro is like when I put on the Vision Pro, I'm putting it on. And I'm like okay, like what do I want to do? Whereas mm. when I put on the Quest, it's like I have an intention, and then I put it on to do X intention. Like I want to play a game. Um, yeah, Vision Pro just feels more like an extension of your life, which I think pros and cons. That I wrote a thread about it when it came out, where I was like, Gen Z perspective, like I've grown up with tech my whole life, like um, I am like very used to always being connected, and so mm -hmm. this is incredibly exciting to me, and I'm much more optimistic than a lot of people are about tech. But also, we've seen the story play out in dystopians like Ready Player One, and I hope we don't get to a point where it's just like a dopamine overload and people are yeah. addicted to another device. Yeah, no, I mean, to be to be fair, I, I feel the same way about the Vision Pro. It does look like something that you wear throughout your day. And I, I understand that people are like, oh, but you only get two and a half hours if you're watching a video. It's like, but you're not going to stand in the middle of your room watching a movie. You're going to yeah. sit down and plug yourself in. It's fine. Um, but when you said about Ready Player One, it, it made me smile because when that was being filmed, a lot of it was in our city. So I no actually way. saw some of the sets and, and some of the stuff that was going on and some of the Whoa. street chases is the stuff that was supposed to be in Columbus, Ohio, I think, um, wow, was, was cool. filmed in an area of our city. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it just, I love that. It, it pleased me so much. And I was like running around getting photos. Um, That's, it's so yeah. cool to see the behind the scenes. I think what's also wild about that is that the Vision Pro 
does a lot of what the tech in that movie did. Mm -hmm. um, and like the amount of people that worked in like graphic design and motion VFX to make it look like that in real life um, in like the movie is pretty wild considering that now like the Vision Pro, it's like you leave a display over here and then you walk away and it stays motion track. Like mm. I still have to do that frame by frame in Final Cut Pro and the Vision Pro is able to do it instantaneously. And so I think that like a lot of times people don't, I don't know, appreciate like the level of like engineering and hard work that goes into making the tech work. That oh, absolutely. And and the thing is, Apple's been working on this for so long. It's like, I think 2007 were the first patents yep. around it and it looks very much like Vision Pro. And then you can kind of track all of these things happening through Apple's history. You know, you can see where LiDAR came to the iPad Pro first yeah. and then to the iPhones. So they're, they're already getting used to scanning the space that you're in and being able to, even the Clips app that's on everyone's iPhones will do yeah. that and be able to track uh, movement into your space. It looks really, really good as well. Like Clips yeah. is like an underrated app for Apple. I um, agree. Yeah, it reminds me of um, Taylor's song Mastermind where it's like, I'm also a huge like Taylor Swift fan, but um, <laughs> who isn't? Yeah, honestly, a who isn't, and I will find a way to work it into every convo. Um, but she like in the song, it's like yeah, I was like laying all the like the steps, and now it it all came together, and I kind of feel like that's the vision pro for Apple. It's like mm. it has a digital crown from the Apple Watch. All the camera tech like plays into the fact that they've gotten so much better with iPhone, so now it's like a 12 millisecond latency. Um, the Vision OS is based on iPad OS. Like there are so many things where it's like they couldn't make the Vision Pro without doing all these other products first. And yeah. I think that that's why it's going to be really hard for another company to make something as great as the Vision Pro this year. Yeah, that's that's what people underrate when they talk about the Apple ecosystem stuff. Um, things like uh, universal control, like incredible bit of technology, which is basically yeah. now in Vision OS. If you're bringing your screen from your Mac up, you're then moving your cursor over into these iPad style apps and it becomes True. the iPad cursor as well. Like uh, that's, that's a really clever, we, we've been trained to use it already. Yeah. That's another huge everything. point actually. Yeah. It's like, not only can they do it, but they've also trained us. So it doesn't feel like such a quantum leap. Like it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, I have to figure out how to use my eyes as the cursor, but everything else looks and makes sense. Whereas if we didn't have any of those other, um, things that came earlier, then I feel like the learning curve would be so high. Yeah. What What's your biggest ask for the next version? What's the, what's Ooh, the one thing that will like will bring it up for you? Um, less of an isolating experience. I think Mark has mm -hmm. just made a video about this yesterday, but the big thing with it is like when you're wearing it, you're now living in your own reality that no one else can see. And so when I was mm -hmm. filming like the day in life review, I'd like be experiencing things and then my videographer would have no idea what I was seeing. So I'm like, oh my God, there's a car here right now. Or yeah. oh, I'm like responding to messages and there's no ability to share that. Um, I think we really cool. And they kind of already have it where you can like mirror it to a device. So like mm -hmm. when I'm giving the vision pro to a friend and I'm like, gotta see this i'll mirror it to my computer so i can see what they're seeing and kind of guide them through it and actually yeah. when i was briefed on it by apple they did the same thing because i think it's such a new piece of tech that you kind of need someone to help you learn the controls um but i would say like an easier way for people to see what you're seeing and then also if they have a vision pro sync to whatever you're seeing which i think is a harder ask but it's like if you and i are in the same room together can we both be looking at the same thing from our own perspectives because yeah. it wouldn't be like syncing it where it's like you're seeing what i'm seeing because then like you would be seeing a different reality. Like it has to be from your POV. Yes. We're just seeing the same thing, um, which I think is hard to do, but that would elevate the experience a lot. Yeah. And I think Marquez kind of muddied the water a little bit, probably inadvertently when he did the video with Cleo Abrams and they mm. were in the room and they'd got the F1 car in front of them. Um, and I think they were both looking at an F1 car, but it wasn't the same model. Yeah. They were using the same app, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so it's like, and they had like, because of that, like, it's like the same experience because they're in the room. But yeah. what he talks about in his video is like, could it actually be the same car? Yeah, that's what it needs to be. I think the the two Vision Pros would then need to sync to the same model of the room that they dynamically generate. Yeah, they would <laughs> have to so both much generate going the room <laughs> and then sync it and then know positionally like where you are and then every mm. like time you move it would have to like live sync. I mean, it's easy to say that we want this feature. I think the tech to make it happen is so high because it's basically like creating an exact reality. Mm. Um, but I think it's possible because they're obviously doing something similar now. Like when in his video also he shows, he's so talented, but he shows like <laughs> putting like a window in like the parking lot and then walking off the right of the building and then looking out to the parking lot and the window is still right there. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that <laughs> shows like how much memory the device has. So I think it's possible, but it would be mm. difficult. No, absolutely. And I mean, Marquez is just like on an absolute other level. Like I was watching a video today from like, I don't know if it was the, the TV awards here in the UK or something along those okay. lines. And they'd got a robot arm with the camera on that was doing this one move around a celebrity. And I was like, oh, that's what Marquez has had for the last yeah. like, 10 years. It's <laughs> 100%. Yeah, I remember going to Marquez's um, like studio, maybe when he hit like 5 million subscribers. This has to be like, I don't know, four or five years ago. And even then, like if you watched any of his videos back then and compared them to like videos now by almost any other creator, they would still be better. And I feel like that's just like a testament. Like he's been at the top of the game for so long and it's just so talented. Yeah. And then like a great guy on top of everybody else. Yeah, he really does seem to be the nicest guy. And I mean, yeah, like the fact that he's got this huge studio and a huge team around him and I'm sitting in this little corner of my boiler room so I've had to turn off hot water to my home <laughs> so that we don't get interrupted through this podcast. That's that's the difference uh, these days. Yeah, I, yeah, I filmed many videos in a garage that was um, boiling and had a bug issue, so I totally get it. Yeah, it's it's good fun, though. This is how you, this is how you roll. You have to be scrappy. This is a story, yeah. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, you did your Quest versus Vision Pro video. Obviously, for $500, the Quest is a, a completely different proposition. Um, without spoiling it, like, what was your biggest takeaway from that? Ooh, okay, the Quest is genuinely fundamentally better for gaming, I think, at least right yeah. now, because it has these, which are controllers, controllers <laughs> yep. and that makes a huge difference. The Vision Pro uses your hands, which there was actually a game where it was kind of like Beat Saber, but with your hands, and it was fun. I was like, wow, like I really like this because, again, it feels like the Vision Pro is, for in the future, meant to be like worn and then just mm. left on. And if that's the case, you don't want to travel around with controllers, and you may like serendipitously have five minutes and be like, oh, I want to play a game. So it feels like it's a device that then also is gaming, whereas right now, to me, the Quest feels like a device kind of for gaming, for other things too, but it's like, I'd be sitting at home and would say like, oh, I want to play a game and then throw in the quest versus wearing the Vision Pro and then be like, oh, mm. I have a couple minutes I want to play a game. So that feels like one difference. Another one feels like, um, I think Marquez in his video said the Vision Pro is like today, tomorrow's tech today. I think that's a really good way mm. to put it. I think the Vision Pro is tomorrow's tech today. And then I think the quest is right behind that, like as close as we yeah. can come to giving that feeling, but it's definitely today's tech. Like mm -hmm. a lot of things don't work as you would assume, like the parallaxing, for example, um, the fact that it's controllers in some ways is actually better than the Vision Pro, like for typing and stuff, the controllers feel so much better. And like, yeah. I felt like it was a much better typing experience, but then you're holding controller. So it's easy to remember that you're using a VR headset. Um, mm -hmm. It's $500 though. So like they both hit completely different yeah. markets where I think like if you want VR, Vision, uh, the Quest is like a great way to get into it, but if you want to experience like what the future could be, 
Mm. Like the Vision Pro is the one. I could see Vision Pro kind of integrating a little bit better with things like Apple Watch, um, so that yeah. this is kind of like an accelerometer controller for that's a for cool games, idea, which would be interesting. And the other thing, I think Apple has got some patents that were around um, AirTags becoming uh, motion dots, basically like for motion tracking. So oh, potentially cool you could have a pair of gloves that have an AirTag on the backs. So you'd wear the the gloves. You'd that's still be cool. able to do the the finger tracking, and then you'd also be able to kind of follow where the hands are moving, that sort of stuff. So that might That's be really interesting. Cool. Um, the other thing that I sort of mentioned in a, a video I did a couple of days ago was it's it's difficult to do the pass-through video and be able to read text on the screen of your iPhone. So if that was pairing to your Vision Pro and, like, basically popped up a larger oh, version like of your iPhone display, screen. yeah, that's cool, um, yeah. that'd be really great. And the same with your watch, just so that it basically pops it up almost like star wars you know the kind of hollow hologram stuff yeah, so it just kind cool of idea. pops out um when you need it that that seems like a, a reasonable kind of stretch for me because if they're doing it with with the mac displays that shouldn't be too hard yeah um, i agree and i also would like it to sync just in general with the phone so it's like mm -hmm. if you're getting a call it can go through because right now if you're getting a call you would have to like pick up your phone because it doesn't naturally mm. sync the same way it does with the mac and that's like, like a very easy so FaceTime would come through and you'd be able to use your persona, yeah. but not with like a regular voice call right now. Regular phone call, I don't think just actively okay. passes through. Um, it almost like treats it as like its own device, but then on the Mac it does. So I think like it should be an easy addition mm. and maybe like pair them. Yeah. I will say it very intuitively knows to pair to my hotspot. Like when I'm out and about mm -hmm. and I don't have, cause it needs Wi-Fi, it doesn't have cellular. Yeah. Um, it will be like pop up and be like, do you want to connect to Jacqueline's iPhone? And mm -hmm. I think that that is like a quality of life. Like I actually noticed in the video with the Quest, it was much less intuitive to like quickly set up Wi-Fi. Whereas on the Vision Pro, I just like pop up the screen, type information in, hit join. It was easy. Yeah, I had to hotspot with the uh, with the Pico as well because I was actually uh, I was sent this for a sponsorship. So we did like a oh, six, cool. six video series. Um, but it culminated as I was at Silverstone for the British Grand Prix in the middle of a field. Whoa. So like from my tent, I was like filming my last one and That's trying so to cool. kind of record stuff. And oh, it was an absolute nightmare to try yeah, and do it Yeah, it sounds a little stressful, but it also sounds like it makes a sick video. Oh yeah, it was, it was a really fun place to be for all of yeah. this stuff. Um, cool. So I, I just wanted to sort of touch a little bit on your crazy last year that you've you've had as well so like uh, the stuff that i've put down as notes right and there's okay. probably so much more than this uh working with youtube evangelizing ai for creators you went to the white house uh you went to ces you've had samsung events you've been to apple park i think for dub dub yep. so you probably got to try out uh vision pro a little bit early there did you or i don't know if you i got tried it out early in new york okay. um but not at wwc but like, how have you gone from like, I heard about you when I first started, like I knew that you existed and I, I, I'd seen a few <laughs> of your videos, but this last year you have been everywhere. How has that been for you? Ooh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a super exciting year. I feel like um, really like genuinely very blessed that so many people at YouTube kind of just believe in what we're doing. So they um, opened up like the opportunities to talk about AI. I hosted a dinner with them too. They just launched a like, creator collective series where mm -hmm. in every city they pick like one creator to host a dinner and we hosted their first one in new york that was so much fun um so i think it's like the culmination of like i've genuinely never worked harder in my life like i 
am working so many hours, but like loving every minute of it. Mm. Um, really like blessed that there are so many people that believe in what we're doing both at YouTube, but then also at like the companies, whether it be like Google or Apple or anyone that kind of enables the opportunities, because I feel like you have to put in the work, but then you also need access of like someone believing in it and then saying yes. Um, like every successful person I feel like has a million people behind them that have said yes and like took a bet on them. Um, and then I also think like just like time and market, like I've been doing this so long, like it's been eight years. Um, and so I think there've definitely been periods of time where like things, um, were not as momentum, like, um, there wasn't as much momentum and it's just like sticking with it and like going brick by brick. Then I think like the third thing is also the team. Like everyone that is working on MBT stuff is genuinely brilliant and so hardworking. And I think it kind of takes a village to do anything in life. Um, so yeah, it's been such an exciting year and, um, just excited to keep like doing the two formats really that we're focusing on now are these like real day in life reviews where a new piece of hardware comes out and then I use it out and about. Um, and the reason for that honestly was like, as tech becomes more iterative, I think the exciting story is how it actually impacts your life. Mm. And also I think that Marquez is incredible and best in class. And I don't think that you can become like the next best creator by just doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. It was like, how do I make it different? And then the other format that we're really actively pursuing is interviewing these tech CEOs. Yeah. Like the pipeline is like interview the tech CEO and then review what they make. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's another thing that people in the space aren't really doing. And I also just like love interviews. So this yeah. is like we're hyper focusing on trying to like create something for people that love tech that they're not getting anywhere else. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. And that's I think I guess that's why I've kind of created this as opposed to the way that a lot of the other podcasts work is it's either the same people every week or it's, yeah. um, it, you know, it's it's either one person or it's the same people every week or it's just about the technology and just about a specific thing. And I think being able to talk to tech creators specifically, because we all kind of work in the same area a little bit. Right. My, my, my journey has been so different from yours because mine started in COVID and I was doing five videos a week doing tech. Holy like just, wow. Yeah. So I was just doing Apple news every day. Um, but one of the That's big incredible. things that I focused on, um, early on is community because I was already working with Gary V as a sort of community moderator. Yeah. Uh, so I was looking after a lot of the Facebook group stuff and answering all the comments. And so that's the big thing that I focused on. And that's something that has really stood out from what you do as well is the amount of community videos that you do where you'll just literally just turn on the camera on Instagram and just do a like 30 seconds of, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I hope you're all having a, an amazing day. And that yeah. makes a massive difference. And you do really, respond to a lot of uh comments from your audience and uh, you know you answer my like dm so that's part. a start <laughs> no, dude, you're amazing how could i not answer your dm um but yeah dude that's like one of the most fun parts like i think when i started youtube um i like didn't have any friends that love technology like it was i would mm -hmm. be like the person that my friends would text to find out about a keynote but like it was not talking for hours about tech and then i uploaded my first video and immediately unlocked this whole world of people that love technology too and so I think like a huge driver for me is like, can we create like this wholesome tech community where people that um, can finally find a group of people that also love this thing that they love um, in the same way that YouTube gave that to me and gives that to me. Um, and then I also just like, I think it's like so fun and exciting to get to talk to the people that kind of enable the career and also care about the same things that you care about. So it's like the easiest thing in the world for me to care about community. And I think it's one of the things that a lot of creators don't care as much about, mm. which is honestly pretty surprising to me because yeah, it's like such a fun, exciting thing. And I think it's really baked into like, A, what YouTube wants its creators to care about and like B, like the overall ecosystem of YouTube is so community driven, whether it be mm. like the comment section or um, like the fact that when you post something in real time, you can see the viewership. Like, I think there's so many 
um, kind of indicators that community matters. And it would be really cool if more creators focused a lot on it. But it's definitely yeah. for me, it's one of the favorite things. And I know for you too, like you obviously worked with Gary and I think he's one of the best creators at focusing on community. Yeah, it's incredible. And it, it's made such a difference for me. Like when I finished my first year, I guess, of doing the daily show, um, the five days a week show, daily-ish. That's insane. Take weekends off. I think um, you could say daily, five times yeah, a week Yeah, I think it's pretty, it's pretty close, right? Um, but I actually managed to get on a call with Gary just for like okay. 10 minutes. And I was like, right, how do I celebrate this? And he was like, well, if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, I would say do like a meetup, get, get people together. I was like, well, audiences all over the world anyway they said the other thing would be to do a really long live stream so we, i think we did 12 hours um whoa 12 hour live stream but i approached so many creators and um, people like john prosser came on uh, luke miani um, oh, brian idea. tong um and a whole bunch of like smaller creators from the uk and from other countries like we had people from the philippines coming on and all doing just like 15 minutes with me so uh, it was really really fun that's a we really cool got idea to, got to speak to a whole bunch of people brought a whole bunch of new audience in as well and i think we had you know three four thousand subs by that point which was after the first no no sorry we we hit we hit monetization after like three months um, which was but it was but it was yeah pandemic nobody had got anything else to do um so everyone was watching youtube and then we got True. 10k i think after about a year so it was just i think we were about six wow. six or seven k and and then i've done nothing since um so okay <laughs> just so really get back to it yeah. plateaued uh, that's why we've brought this back like full-time job family all that sort of stuff does take up a lot of time so i'm down yeah. to like two or three videos a week now um, i still think that's honestly a ton i've never posted two, three videos a week that's a lot <laughs> a lot but mine are a lot less produced than yours. Mine is teleprompter, me, iPhone, That's still microphone. so impressive. And honestly, I feel like that creates like an intimate level of connection because if someone's watching that, then it's like they're hanging out with you. Yeah. Um, in like a sit down way. Yeah. And it's, and it's still answering every comment on the videos and we do the that. iCave answers section as well. So we'll do the three news stories and then we'll answer the comments questions. Um, so it, it becomes a part of it. So it's, it's been really fun for me. Um, but yeah, just the community side that you guys have been doing is just absolutely blowing everyone else out of the water. And oh, I think that you. is a huge, huge uh, applause to you. Um, Thanks so much. Yeah, dude, it's just so much fun. Like, I think yeah, it's the best. Absolutely. Um, I don't want to uh, take too much more of your time. So where can people find you online? Unless you've got anything else you want to, like, hit on. Like, is this there is anything so much else fun. This has been like a highlight through? of my day. Um, <laughs> you're amazing. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm down to come back anytime. I'm, I'm so excited amazing. to like, watch this show. Um, if anyone wants to check out the channel, it's nothing but tech on YouTube. Um, Twitter and Instagram are NBT Jacqueline. And um, the podcast that I was doing, if you want like more tech combo, is the Digital Dive. Amazing. Um, so, so yeah, amazing to have you on. Thank you so much for giving us your time. And yeah. Um, yeah, thank you everyone for watching. And we will see you in the next one. A complete revolution. We figured out a way. We machine all of the surfaces to create something that's that's genuinely new. You have to to start again. Unapologetically plastic. Aluminium.